You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. It's been said that people can be so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. I've never found that to be true. I used to preach it and now I retract it. Because let me tell you the fact of the matter. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you will be. Because when you're heavenly minded, you know where you're going. And if you know where you're going, you want to take people with you. If you know where you're going, you want to take as many as you can to come see this place. C.S. Lewis wrote these words. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most good for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next world. In today's message, Pastor Jeff guides you towards the truth that as a Christian, your focus should always be heavenly minded. By shifting your perspective from the temporary to the eternal, you unearth a wellspring of purpose and hope. Don't be swayed by the distractions and let your thoughts and actions be guided by the promises of what's to come. Embracing this heavenly mindset will not only transform your life, but also ignite a flame of faith that sets the world on fire in the name of Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 as he continues his message, How Abraham Kept Going. Jehovah, the living God, appeared to him somehow. I don't know how. A voice, a dream, a vision, we don't know how. But he appeared to him and said, I want you to come out of here. I want you to leave this place. Because even though it was nice and comfortable and you went home and kicked back in your lazy boy and enjoyed a nice meal and you had your children and your grandchildren and everything looked good, it was steeped in darkness and satanic cultism. And so God comes and calls him out. And here's what God said to him. If you will leave this place, if you'll come out, Abram, I'm going to bless you with blessings. And I'm going to make you the father of many nations, but there's even something more powerful than that. Through your seed, Abram, through your seed, I'm going to give you a son. And through your seed, your lineage, your descendants is going to come the savior of all mankind. If you just come out. You know, it's amazing. When God calls us to come out of something, it's amazing what he's got waiting if we just come out. What he's got waiting for us, if we'll just come out. We think that Ur is worth hanging on to, but not when you see what God's got for you if you come out. If you come out, then God will bless you exceeding abundantly above. So isn't it funny how we cling to the things of Ur, but then God said, if you'll just turn loose, if you will just let go, I will bless you. I will lead you, I will guide you, I will enrich you, I will do things that you would never experience had you not followed me. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham obeyed, and he walked away from Ur. Come on, honey, Sarah, let's go. We're leaving. He said to his father, Terah, come on, I want you to leave with me. Let's go. We're just going to start walking. We're going to leave this place. I know you're attached to it. I know you want to cling to it. I know you do. Isn't it funny that Abraham was willing to let go of Ur while his nephew Lot could not let go of Sodom? So here's the principle. In order to step into what God has for your future, you need to leave the place of your past. One of my favorite verses is in Isaiah where God says, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Shall you not know it? I'm going to bring forth a blessing. I'm going to bring rivers in the desert. I'm going to bring a roadway in the wilderness. I'm going to make a way where there is no way. I'm going to be the way maker for you. 
If you will just obey me and come out. Sometimes you've got to let go of your past so you can embrace your future. Now, when I say let go of your past, please understand what I don't mean. I don't mean deny your past. I don't mean be ashamed of your past. I don't mean develop some kind of spiritual amnesia concerning your past. What I mean is don't live in your past. Don't live in your past. Because you can live in good times in your past. You can live in the pain of your past. Listen, some people never embrace what God has for them because they are convinced that because of their past, they have been disqualified for a future in God. But I'm going to tell you, the blood washes away every sin. The blood washes away every mistake. The blood washes away everything. So when God says, I want you to come out so I can take you in, then sometimes you got to lay that past down. Don't cling to the memories of it. Don't live in the guilt of it. Don't prefer it over God's plan. Don't say, those were the days, my friend. We thought they'd never end. Oh, the move of God back then. Oh, it was so good back in the 70s, back in the 80s, back whenever. Or I'll never have another relationship like that one. Mm-hmm. See, when we say the past was better than today, we are saying, God, you can't beat that. But let me tell you, God can always beat that. Now, I'm going to get this CD. I need to hear that myself. God can always beat that. See, don't say, the Bible even says in Ecclesiastes, why are you saying the former days are better than these? That's not wisdom that's talking out of you. Don't say the former days are better than these. Say the former days were only a warm-up because God's going to do a better thing. God's going to do a new thing. I was supposed to preach that to somebody today. Some of you are saying, well, I'm never, never, never going to have a better day than before. Oh, yes, you are, because he does exceeding, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think, but you got to come out so you can go in. So Abraham left the city behind him. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All the memories. Bye-er. See y'all. Where are you going? Not sure. Where are you going to end up? Don't know. What's your ultimate goal? Heaven. Going to heaven. Going to heaven. Notice, no one went with him but family. Then there was a second city in Abraham's life, the city beside him, Sodom. Whereas Ur represented the past, Sodom represented the world. Now, folks, I ask you, in our culture today, do we not live right next door to Sodom, just like Abraham did? See, here's Abraham walking along, and one day him and Lot... They both had grown so rich that Abraham said, look, there's too much conflict between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. You choose where you want to go, nephew. And Lot looked out over the plush plains of Sodom. He saw this beautiful countryside, and he said, that's where I want to go. And he left, and he went towards Sodom. It says he pitched his tent facing Sodom. What did Abraham do? He stayed in his tent and kept going the direction the Holy Spirit had indicated he should go. To his side was Sodom. Sodom was his neighbor. 
It was right there. And it's interesting to me that you got two men, both that the Bible calls righteous. One is destroyed by being sidetracked into Sodom. The other keeps his faith by refusing to fellowship with Sodom. Lot lost his way, lost his walk by caving into Sodom, living in Sodom, fellowshipping with Sodom. Abraham, on the other hand, he avoided it. He refused to succumb to it, and he lived separated from it. He did just exactly what the Bible commands us to do. I want you to listen to what the Bible says, and let me talk to you real bluntly about you and me as Christians living in this world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 to 18, Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. Now, that's the addendum to the verse. He's not saying leave the world, get into a little church bubble, and don't have anything to do with the world. But he's saying don't touch the filthy things. That is, don't be polluted and tainted and stained or become involved with their lifestyle and their sin. And I will welcome you, says the Lord. And I'll be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now here's a fact of life. Every Christian is called to come out of the world, the sin of the world, the thinking of the world, the ways of the world. Now the Bible says a lot of things about our relationship with the world because listen, one of the great battles you will face this week and for the rest of your life is the pull of the world. It's a force to reckon with. Lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life are what comprises the evil system called the world. He's not talking about God's beautiful creation. He's talking about the lifestyles of the wicked. He's talking about the ways of the ungodly. For instance, it says that if we become the friend of the world, we're the enemy of God. Wow, now that's strong. If I'm a friend of the world, I'm an enemy of God. How could that be? Here's why. Because to be befriended by the world where they embrace you and receive you and have no issue with you, you've got to compromise your faith. And if you don't compromise your faith, you're going to be persecuted and you won't have to tell worldly people to leave you alone. They will leave you alone if you're full of Jesus. Okay? But watch this now. James wrote this. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God because you will have to compromise your convictions to be embraced by the world and received by the world and applauded by the world. No Christian walking in the Spirit of God, fully committed to Christ, is going to be applauded by the world. I hate to tell you. Isn't it amazing how so many churches, even whole denominations around us, are caving into the culture so that they can be accepted by the world? God didn't call me to be accepted by the world. God called me to witness to the world. He didn't call me to be accepted by the world. I don't care if the world accepts me. I fully expect they will not if I stand up for Jesus. Okay? That's good. Amen. That's a few claps here in the house of God. So everybody say with me, friendship. So even if you're a friend with the world, the lifestyle of the world, the ways of the world, you become the enemy of God. Now, John adds to that. Don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father isn't even in him. Now, notice we got a progression. Friendship to love. 
So if I compromise my faith to be accepted by the world and be their friend, my next step is I'm going to start loving it. But then James chimes in again, and he says, hey, don't get spotted by the world. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, James wrote in one, chapter 1, verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows and their affliction, and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. What does that mean? Well, if I go off to, um, let's say, a barbecue place today, and I don't put a napkin on my lap, and I eat that chopped beef full of barbecue sauce, I spill stuff all over myself, and I get spotted and stained. When you hang around with and become a part of people who live in the world, you're going to get spotted and stained. Your spirit's going to get defiled. So we're not to become spotted by the world. So friendship to love, love to spotted. And what happens when you're a friend of the world and you grow to love the world, and then when you love the world, you get spotted by the world? That's when you end up being conformed to the world. Be not conformed to this world, the Bible says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you get conformed, that means you get put into the shape of the world. You start looking like the world, talking like the world, thinking like the world. We can't tell the difference between you and the world. So I must never give up the sharp edge of my faith to be accepted by the world. Or I go to love it, to being spotted by it, to being conformed to it, Abraham lived right next door to Sodom, but he never became the friend of it. He never loved it. He was never spotted by it, and he never conformed to it, but Lot did. Lot pitched his tent looking at that wicked city. He didn't just pitch his tent. You know, if I was him, I I like to think if I was going to go that way, I would have turned my tent where I opened up the flaps in the morning. I wasn't looking straight at Sin City, but when he opened up the flaps of his tent, he's looking right at Sodom and all of their wickedness and evil. And you know what happened to him eventually? He became desensitized to what he was seeing. And so one day he says to Mrs. Lot, who later became a pillar of salt because of the leadership of her husband, he said, honey, you know, I'm tired of this tent living. I'm ready to build a house. Where do you want to go, dear? Well, let's just move into Sodom. We won't become like them. We'll just move there. We'll just get kind of close. But we need to make money. We need to get in there where all that commerce is going on. We need to get close to where the action is. We'll just remain separated So they folded the tent up, put away their testimony, put away their conviction, put away their walk, and moved into Sin City. You know what he lost? Lot. Now remember, his uncle is God's best friend. Do you know who Abraham represents? Christ. To go to Sodom, he had to leave Christ. He had to leave Christ. So he goes to Sodom. Let me show you what he lost. He lost his fellowship with Abraham, God's friend. He would one day eventually, here's the sum total of He lost his wife. He lost his walk with God. He lost his children. He lost his testimony. He lost his purity. He lost his home. He lost his finances. He lost his destiny. He lost everything. How did it all happen? Gradually, slowly, incrementally, friendship, loving, getting spotted, conforming. Now, 
Let me tell you, it's real important, and I don't want to sound uppity or snooty-nosed or I'm looking down on people that don't know Jesus because I'm not. We're all about reaching people. But you need to understand today that separation doesn't mean isolation. You can be separated from the sins of the world but still reach the world. You know how I know that? Because that's what Abraham did. See, Abraham stayed right where he was supposed to be while Lot went off and fell into compromise and lost everything. But here's Abraham, he's walking, and one day he hears that four kings have invaded Sodom. And they have looted the city, and they have kidnapped a bunch of the people, and amongst them was Lot and his family. So Abraham said, no way. Now you know what? I'll be honest with you. If I'd been Abraham, I would have been tempted to say, you made your bed, lay in it. Because you left me. You went walking off, and you took the nicest-looking place and left me to the tent. So now you're reaping what you sow. That's not what Abraham did. Abraham said, let's get an army together. He got 300 of his best men together, and they went after these four kings and attacked these four kings and defeated these four kings and all their armies and brought everything back, including Lot and his family. And there in the middle of Sodom stood Abraham, God's best friend, and the king of Sodom said to him, man, I am so thankful. Here's some money for what you did. And Abraham said, I won't even take from you a shoelace because I set you free, not for a price, but because I know the one who sets free. And so you have been delivered by grace. You have been delivered by grace. And you know what, folks? God has called you and me not to be a part of it, not to embrace it, not to be friends with it, but to be deliverers and rescuers in it. And when they get set free, we say, hey, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk freely you have received, freely give. I give to you because he gave to me. Amen. Friday, I went through the Presbyterian night shelter that we reach, part of where we minister. And I asked the woman there to take me on a little tour. So she lets me in. This is in the roughest area of Fort Worth. All you see everywhere, alcoholics, drug addicts, people down and out, people with nothing, people who don't fully have their mind. She took me in and started showing me around, and here's hundreds of people eating lunch free. Here's hundreds of beds. Many of them were asleep at one in the afternoon. All these beds, free. I see this wonderful outreach. I'm taking through the whole thing. Free, 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 free. And I thought, what place like this, now I don't want to offend anybody, but what place like this have atheists built? No, it's always... Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Christ this, Christian that. As Abraham went and set this city free, free, that's what we're to do. We're to go and deliver and rescue and set free. We're not to love the world, it sends its ways. But we're to rescue and deliver it in the name of Jesus. Anybody want to go delivering with me? You want to do some rescuing with me? You want to go out there where they really are and help them? We're going to do it. We are doing it. Then there was a city before him. I'm going to close with this. The city before him. Everybody say heaven. 
Let me read to you again what kept him going. How did he keep going through all of this? By an act of faith, it says, Abraham lived in the country promised him, lived as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping, listen to this, Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real eternal foundations. The city designed and built by God. There's a city right now in heaven. You know what's waiting for? The return of Christ to this earth. And one day, that new Jerusalem, the city Abraham was looking for. says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise. They died in faith, not stepping into that city yet. God having provided something better for us, they had to wait for the atonement of Christ. They had to wait for the blood to be shed. But there is a city in heaven right now. It's the new Jerusalem. It's already been built. And the day is going to come when it's going to be lowered down out of heaven. Like a bride adorned for her husband, the city of God. And you're going to have a house there. You're going to have a place there. It's been said that people can be so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. I've never found that to be true. I used to preach it, and now I retract it. Because let me tell you the fact of the matter. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you will be. Because when you're heavenly minded, you know where you're going. And if you know where you're going, you want to take people with you. If you know where you're going, you want to take as many as you can to come see this place. C.S. Lewis wrote these words. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most good for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next world. And it is because Christians have begun to think so little of the next world, they become ineffective in this world. Let me make this real simple. I used to go to Six Flags when I was a kid. I loved it. Man, I was hooked on Six Flags. Had the little stamp where I could get in at any time free, and I went all the time. But there was a roller coaster that I loved. I loved this roller coaster. This thing was all the thrills and spills and amazing, goose-bumping, scary stuff that a kid like me liked. And you know what I did? I rode it a couple of times, and then I became an evangelist for that roller coaster. I told all of my friends, you got to come to this roller coaster. You have got to pay the price to get into Six Flags and go on this roller coaster. You will never have another thing like this roller coaster. I promise if you don't like it, when you're done, I will get... No, I didn't say that. I didn't have any money to give them back. But you got to try this. you got to try this. I brought more people to that roller coaster than maybe anybody at Six Flags. You know why? Because my heart was there. See, wherever your heart is, you want to take people to it. So Abraham, his heart was not on this earth or the things of this earth. It wasn't in Ur, his past. It wasn't in Sodom, his neighbor, the world. It was in heaven. Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And you know why he said that? So we would look forward. Oh, Jesus is building me a house? He hasn't given up carpentry work? He's still building? And I'm going there? Okay. So when Abraham left Ur, Sarah, Tara, where are you going? I'm going to heaven. Come with me. We need to be telling people all the time, I'm going to heaven, come with me. Come on. So 
There was the city behind him, the city beside him, the city before him. As Pastor Jeff's message echoes in your heart, it's a reminder of the profound call to embrace God's perfect gospel. In leaving the world behind, you discover a higher purpose, a path illuminated by divine truth. Journey forward, shedding the weights that hinder you and embrace the radiant hope of a life in alignment with God's will. By relinquishing the temporary, you grasp the eternal. Commit to prioritizing the gospel above all else. If you're interested in learning about Hardwired, Diane has some things to share. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard today, we'd like to know. You can call or text us at the following number and share your thoughts. That number to text is 817-484-4767. Once again, that's 817-484-4767. Thanks for being a part of this ministry and helping it continue to be an encouraging and uplifting resource for you and others. Now I'll hand it back to Daniel as he gives a preview of what's next. In the next installment of Hardwired, Pastor Jeff encourages you to stay true to the unique path that God has prepared. If you want to live out your true purpose on this earth, fully commit to the cause of Christ in everything you do. Embrace this journey to not only enrich your life, but also fulfill God's divine plan. Uncover the keys to living a life fully sold out for Jesus. You'll never be the person you want to be by pretending that the world satisfies. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of Hebrews, so be sure to join us again. And if you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.